What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number one of my podcast, In Hot Waterfall. And hopefully, as you can tell from the title, this podcast is all about exploring and debating controversial topics and issues within the tech industry. And admittedly, most of the guests which you see on this podcast will be in the world of software engineering, but I'm planning to get as many people on this as as possible, as long as there's something interesting to discuss. Because this is not a podcast about biographies. It's not about kissing ass. It's about having fun and ultimately just trying to come to some conclusions about what's right and wrong. I doubt we'll do that very well, but hopefully we'll at least be able to to have fun and, and give you something nice to listen to. But a little bit about myself. I've been a tech recruiter now for just under four and a half years. I've helped scale businesses within engineering of of all shapes and sizes, whether it's a a three-person startup, a FTSE 100, you name it, I've I've had some experience with them. Some good experiences, some bad experiences, as I'm sure you'll learn throughout the course of this podcast. But in this particular episode, I'll be joined by Michaela Esposito, and we'll be discussing whether or not startups now have the best talent. And this is going to be a weekly podcast, I hope, depending on if I can find anyone to talk to me. I'm a bit of a lonely guy. I don't have many friends. And remember, this is just episode number one. Plenty of improvements to come. But rather than chew your ear off anymore, let's get straight into this thing. So guys, welcome to episode number one. And hopefully, you enjoy it. Today we're joined by Michaela Esposito. Am I saying that right? Uh, good enough. Uh, excellent, excellent. Who, besides having a very exotic name, also happens to have a pretty damn impressive career today. Michele, originally from Italy, started his career while studying at the University of Illinois by doing internships for Flutter, the one that Google bought for a few pennies. And then later Coursera, some small time learning platform apparently that no one's ever heard of. And after impressing in his internship and deferring an offer they made to hire him, he then therefore completed his degree in mathematics and computer science and eventually returned to San Francisco with Coursera as a product engineer on the monetization team. After spending two years there and leading a team of 10, he was headhunted by another tiny and unheard of business called TransferWise, but made the switch to full-time product management, focusing specifically on user experience. And in 2018, Michele decided to give up the posh lifestyle in the Bay Area and came back to Europe to start his own business with the support of Entrepreneur First. Two years later, he's now the founder and CTO of Candu Labs, and by the sounds of it, has done a pretty good job so far. But I'll let him explain the rest throughout this broadcast. Firstly, thank you for coming on. And I want to start this by asking you how accurate was everything I just said? Because I spent a was, long time was, researching. It was, was very accurate, very impressive. Um, you did miss on the timeline. So okay. I did come back in the UK for TransferWise. Oh, okay. Um, I'm but, firing my research but, team. You know, that, that was, uh, I'm really impressed with your research. Like... <laughs> Wow, spot on. Originally, I was just going to like have your LinkedIn profile and just like, yeah, you know, so this guy, he worked for Flutter, worked for, for you know, Coursera and TransferWise, but I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like I should write like something which is more meaningful. Yeah. And I was like, no, very, cause, very cause, impressive. Because, bro, yeah. your, your yeah, career yeah. is a bit mad. And it is, I, is, yeah. I've worked I, with you for, for like a year and I don't think I've ever realized until sitting down and looking through everything that actually what you've done for 
I mean, for a pretty young guy, like you, you haven't got like any grey in your, your beard or, or hair. Well, it's coming. You know, I mean, yeah, L'Oreal is coming. You know, like my wife makes fun of it, but yeah, the, the grain is coming, sadly. Yeah, you but, know, but yeah, you, you've done pretty well. And I guess the the first question I want to ask is, how would you summarize what Can Do do in a sentence? We so, are uh, in a web editor. Okay that you can use to customize how your product looks. Yeah. My parents still don't have any clue what I've done, by the way. Just, I've just, tried, but... Just a simple you know. answer of, I work, <laughs> I work in technology, all right? Just yeah. leave me alone. Um, yeah. But, but cool, and, and how are you getting on so far? Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, working at Kando has been an absolute honor for me. I'm mm-hmm. really lucky to have an amazing co-founder and a really strong team. Yeah. And um, it's it's fun, um, yeah. to be honest. It's, uh, it's it, an international it's really team as well, right? Like, it's all over the world. It, it is an international team, yes. Yeah. Uh, so we have uh, we have folks in Malaysia, we have folks across Europe, folk yeah. across America. You know, so it's uh, it's really fun um, yeah. to be able to to work with so many talented yeah. uh, people everywhere in the world. Cool. Well, like I said in the intro, uh, at the very very beginning of this podcast, this isn't a podcast which is focused on someone's biography, someone's background, and and you know basically just sitting around and, and kissing asses. This is about discussing topics which are close to the heart of the tech industry where we can actually have an open forum most of the time over a, a gin and tonic or two where we can just discuss ideas and, and think of, of solutions um, well sometimes solutions sometimes just ranting and in this section like I'd really like to understand more about you as a person but like in quick fire style so rather than say like talk to me about your experience at Coursera and Transferwise because I feel like you could do that for an hour in itself because you were there for many years and you did some cool shit so uh, I'm going to hit you with, with five questions, rapid, and then I'm going to hit you with whys after as well. So, so hopefully you're ready for it. Let's do it. So the first one is startups or corporates? Startups. Okay. Why? More fun, more flexibility, more mm. chance to have an impact. You know, the mm. usual stuff. Yeah. But, cool. Yeah. Fair enough. If you could use one programming language for the rest of your life, what would it be? Scala. No questions. Really? Yeah. Why? Scala is awesome. Is... Um, like just uh, the you know it runs on the JVM so it's easy to plug mm. everything in is a really neat compiling you know it's a really neat language mm. that allows you to express yourself extremely well yeah it's easy to refactor code to maintain it yeah um, and it's just very safe it's like it's one of those languages where you'll find yourself so productive yeah just writing it isn't Scala quite like maths orientated though Yes, it's uh-huh. not an easy language to learn. Yeah. But I have been onboarding people in Scala for a long time. And, yeah. uh, and actually, it is much easier than people think. To, yeah. you know, as long as you have a smart engineer, they'll be mm-hmm. able to write really good Scala code in no time. Yeah. And again, this is just a, a recruiter speaking, so I've, I've dumbed it down for myself. But I hear that Scala is similar to Java, but with significantly less lines of code. Um, that's the yeah, that's a recruiter version. All right, that's um, it. Sign me yeah. up. I'm becoming a Scala engineer. I'm so yeah. I mean, in terms of um, you know, they run on the JVM. That's about the similarities they have. Um, yeah. Some of the inner workings of the language are similar yeah. um, because they run on the JVM, but. Yeah. As a language itself, they're, mm-hmm. you know, some of the class inheritance is similar, but as a language, they're profoundly different languages. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm sold. I, I'm, like I said, I'm becoming a Scala engineer because I, I know everything <laughs> about the language, clearly. Um, will technology kill off the need for recruiters? Ooh, good question. I don't think any technology will. You see, people love human connection. Yeah. 
and that's one thing for example when i hear a lot of pundits talking about the mm-hmm. epidemic mm-hmm. um i don't think yeah i think they underestimate how much people like yeah. human connection so mm-hmm. uh i don't think that's gonna go away anytime soon and you know recruiters is about trust and human connection mm-hmm. cool well, that's a really optimistic approach to recruitment I, yeah. I love it fair enough um and then finally one interesting fact about you that you would never put on your cv well let's see um i do really like watching youtube car channel even though i don't own a car and i'm not really planning to buy a car anytime soon what do they have on the car channel just cars just cars <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't know. I like the i guess i like the craftsmanship that goes into creating cars yeah uh and so i like watching them for some reason um, as in like being built or just driving no just more like people reviewing cars oh Fair yeah, enough. for some reason I like that. The, the YouTube channel I would personally watch, and maybe I need to start this myself, is comparing car horns. I just want to hear Ooh. different types of beats. Yeah, I hate car horns. Oh. That's, yeah, but... Okay. Because <laughs> I, I bike a lot, and I hate when people like, you know, like a horn. Uh, yeah, I, so I tend to be a bit aggressive when biking, my, so my I, dad has I a, get horn. <laughs> my my <laughs> dad has that exact rule of never, ever beep at anyone because it will never achieve anything. See, I also have that. I never Which, beep. I, unless they're like literally threatening my life, yeah. I'm not going to beep. Then just like, oh, you're threatening my life. Fair enough, man. Well, well that was a quick fire round. Um, I actually learned quite a lot about that, which is uh, a lot about you, which is which is quite nice. But... But I want to get straight into the topic um, because it's a topic which which I personally have quite a strong opinion on, but I have to be quite careful about how I play with it because I work with big companies, small companies, and everything in between. And the topic we're discussing today is is do startups now have the best talent? And um, before we get to that, the the reason why I wanted to discuss this with you is because you recently wrote an article on Medium, which I've read and sent out to a lot of people because it's a really good reference point specifically for talent acquisition and HR within startups because I think a lot of people within those organizations feel the way that that you did initially, which is, fuck, how can I, as an unknown business with no reputation, with, with, you know, nothing, like no gravitas in some cases, attract people to you know, build something awesome. And that applies to all teams, whether it's engineering or product or even marketing or or customer success. You need really, really good people to take a product off of the ground. And when you're competing against, you know, your Googles and your Facebooks and the big tech companies, which have all of these like internationally renowned um, like reputations of, okay, how how do I do that? And, And you wrote an article which was like, actually guys, like, it's quite easy. Like we've we've got a few advantages. So, like talk us through the article you wrote and, and summarize what what you said. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, you know, they have the advantage that you can literally interview people yeah. in the same time that it takes Google to do a background check, right? <laughs> like the fastest we've interviewed and given an offer out at somebody, you know, to somebody at Candu is is one day. You know, literally, we interviewed them in the morning. We yeah. did four hours of, of interview yeah. and we gave them an offer in the evening and that was actually with you Reese, so um, I, I, I don't know what to say yeah great, great what, a, what a great recruiter please use me <laughs> I'm not accepting 15% um, okay please <laughs> I've got kids to feed well, I don't have any kids but please but but you know that like that's uh, you know those are some of the advantages that you have like so 
as a startup, you want to make sure that you tell people, you know, that you focus, you know, you tell people if you're going to join my company, you're going to have ownership. Yeah. You're going to move quickly mm-hmm. and we can be very flexible. Yeah. Um, in terms of not only your, your working culture, mm-hmm. but also in terms of the work you're going to do and the yeah. solutions you're going to do and the processes, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're talking about really early startup, you know, like 10 people and, and less. Yeah. Um, you really have a lot of room to, you know, you, you're looking for people who are going to help you shape that initial culture. Yeah. And those elements can be a huge advantage. Yeah. One of the uh, the biggest surprises I had when I started my career was, um, so so when I joined my current company, the reason why I joined them, and I'm sorry for anyone listening who, who works in my current company, is that um, one of the clients was PlayStation. And I was like, holy shit, man. I get to work with PlayStation. Yeah. Like someone actually works for PlayStation will be talking to me. And I was fascinated by these big brands. And at the start of my career, I'd say for the first year, I was so buzzing about working with your sky scanners and your train lines and so on and so forth, like really renowned businesses. And the more that, that I've been around, I've been more and more excited about startups. And, and likewise, the, the people that I've worked with, so it's a, from a candidate perspective, have always been way more excited about early stage startups, but specifically focused on, on your final point in your article, which is ownership. Because the things that, that you can do as an individual when we talk about ownership and in terms of impact, because with a small business, you have the opportunity to fundamentally shape and drive a company from its inception like that was the biggest shock to me yeah. of how many people value that side of things rather than having a good name on the CV. So yeah, absolutely. You know, I think one of the things that I love the most about working in a early early stage startup is mm-hmm. just you know I get to say I don't know so many times in my day. Yeah, because a lot of times I get folks like asking me questions and me like, hey, you know, there's this difficult decision like. How, how would you solve it? And so many times, it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> well, how would you solve it? You know, I, like, I know I'm the CTO and founder of this business, but I haven't got a fucking clue, mate. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got any honestly ideas? Honestly speaking, you know, a lot yeah. of times it's like that. I, you know, yeah. it's like, I don't know what the best solution is. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, I need you to help me figure it out. Yeah. And that's where, that's where you get real ownership, right? Yeah. And, and oftentimes these are meaningful questions about the business, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so it's really, you know, and, and that's where, you know, you can have a really meaningful advantage. Yeah. I guess the, the question I've got is that in, in your career, you've always worked for bigger businesses. Coursera, I, I know I joked at the start, people don't know, but everyone knows Coursera. Most, I think, people that I personally know, like engineers, will refer to Coursera at least once a month of looking for a solution to a problem which they don't quite have the answer to. And transfer-wise, one of the biggest businesses in the world from, again, a user perspective and also from, you know, a product perspective. Like, people know who TransferWise are, even if they don't realize it. So, would you say that starting your own business has made you prefer startups even more than before? Or has it made you, like, oh my god, I can't wait until we get to that later stage? Well, you know, I think especially your your founder experience is completely different yeah. than, than your employee experience, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I think especially in the early days of Kandu, um, it was always quite you know 
there there is so much um emotional uncertainty and so much like uh yeah. you know just what am i doing what are we doing <laughs> you know it's like what's gonna happen tomorrow <laughs> trying to explain like, to your wife like, listen it will work i promise right, you it'll work. you know what i mean is is yeah. like um that that's really the the founder experience kind of really makes you appreciate mm-hmm. large companies yeah. <laughs> to be honest it's, yeah, it's yeah. kind of you know when when you go through that you're kind of like well being employed is not so bad after all you know like <laughs> um so i think it actually it kind of made me appreciate larger companies yeah um or at least it made me it made me appreciate the security and the stability that you get in a larger company yeah. as well as the very you know the much higher pay okay well we fully set the context we know everything about the article and and i want to go straight into the topic here of whether or not startups have the best talent. And again, this can be engineering, product marketing, customer success, anything you can think of, because I think all of these arguments apply across the board in, in most cases anyway. So again, I'm, I'm gonna hit you with some, some quick fire questions, but feel free to, to expand on it. And the first question I think is the, the question which I'm most excited to ask. Do you think that, that some bigger businesses have become too arrogant in their hiring strategy? Oh, certainly, certainly, yes. See, the thing is, like, the way that I think a lot about hiring is that you want to hire people because they have an outstanding quality rather than you want to hire people for the lack of defects. Yeah. And so many of the big companies, you know, hiring processes are made about hiring for lack of defects. Yeah. So one rule that we have in uh, CanDo is that we try to have as many folks interview people. So we will often put like two people in a interview. Yeah. And then we ask, you know, a classic question, you know, is it a strong no, no, strong yes, or a yes. Mm-hmm. And um, the rules that we have is if it's for yes, yeah. but no strong yes, mm-hmm. we are not going to hire the person. Okay. And that's because we are basically hiring for, you know, if you have four people who are like, yeah, I kind of like the guy, but there's nothing, yeah, you know, but nobody is, is, is willing to stick his arm out. Yeah. You're kind of hiring for lack of defects. Interesting. So everyone is, is happy, but nobody is willing to take a, uh, you know, is actually willing to stick his neck out, right? Yeah. However, we will hire somebody if there is a strong yes, and three strong no's. Yeah. As long as that person has enough conviction. Really? Yeah. So absolutely. all it takes is one strong yes. Yes. Like if if any of my engineers mm-hmm. are gonna come to a hire and yeah. I have doubts about that person, but yeah. they're gonna be look, he is great. Mm-hmm. He can. He's excellent at doing that thing. We should hire him. Yeah. Um. Unless I have a very strong object, objection or very strong reason or a very strong no, yeah. I will be happy to take a chance on them. Mm. And the reason is that overall, um, that that strong reasons why they said yes might be, um, you know, might be a really large asset for the company. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I would much rather be wrong on yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would much rather, ha- you know, us hire the person and then it doesn't work out, but yeah. at least there was room to have a lot of potential. Yeah. Then hire somebody who he's okay. Yeah. But he's going to be hard to fire because, yeah, he's okay, but, yeah. you know, there's nothing really great about him. He just kind of, you know, yeah. uh, coast around. So I think a lot of, you know, large company are made 
you know, interview processes are made for that soft yes. Mm-hmm. They're made to kind of like, you know, check yeah. the requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not made to find somebody truly talented. Yeah. I guess I was thinking it from a different perspective. Um, and that is, like, if you can if you compare your interview process to a bigger business where, for example, they have uh, a first round interview, which is like a, a conversation with HR. Sure. And then a second round interview with a conversation with a hiring manager. Sure. And then a third interview, which is a four hour coding test. Sure. And then another interview, which is a follow up to that coding test. Sure. And then another interview for just checking that, you know, culturally everything is good. Right. That I personally think, and, and the feedback I've had from candidates is that that can be perceived as arrogant from a, if you're a candidate, you should put in this time and you must put in this time because you're working for a brand like us. Therefore, you will jump through all of these hoops and you will do all of these exercises and you will be a performing monkey in some cases because we're this brand and we're really cool and edgy. That's what I'm thinking from like an arrogant perspective. So so like, what do you think from, from that side? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think for me, one of the things that, I always ask people who do interviews at Kandu yeah. is to explain people why they're interviewing them a certain way. Okay. And to me, that's that's kind of the key, right? Yeah. So if I have a coding question, like, of course, we, we still ask coding questions, not all, not to every candidate, yeah. but we, we, you know, if we have a reason to do a coding task, yeah. I will explain to the person why we're taking them for a coding task. Mm-hmm. And I will explain them why I'm asking them certain questions and yeah. why they're relevant to Kandu and why it's important that they pass those those, those questions, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the difference between having an arrogant process and not, yeah. right? Uh, it's the purpose of, of why you're doing that test, right? Yeah. If I'm explaining you and if I have a good reason why I ask you, if I generally have a good reason, then I think is overall going to help you understand the company you work for and mm-hmm. the reason why we need you to have those skills. Yeah. And I think it makes it a much more tolerable right, interview okay. process. If yeah. I'm asking you questions just because I need you to prove that you have no defects and I need you to prove that uh, you can solve, you know, uh, you can call the... Uh, a, a three a complex three data structure just because that's what everyone who works in this company does <laughs> that's arrogant i mean like yeah. uh that's the definition of it yeah cool fair enough and and in terms of your article so we've spoken about how you know startups can can beat the bigger businesses and i think we both agreed that some bigger businesses are becoming a little bit too arrogant so do you think that there's been a shift so far as to where good talent is going yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I think in particular startups should be able to attract the most ambitious people, yeah. right? And I think that's particularly true for individuals who want to be really empowered, mm-hmm. for individual contributors who want, you know, who are truly ambitious and who want to create things that will change the world. Yeah. Um I think you know, large businesses, I, I simply don't think they can compete mm-hmm. in attracting, you know, IC level people who are that ambitious. Yeah. I think for, for me, it's like, it's an, it's an ongoing shift. When people are working for early stage businesses, naturally, they're having a much larger impact 
in, in most cases where, so again, we take uh, engineering. So if you place a, a lead engineer, they're responsible for the, the front end, the back end, the infrastructure and everything in between. That is a lot of hats for someone to be wearing. That is a lot of work that someone is undertaking and more importantly is a lot of stress that they're putting themselves under. Whereas you compare it to a bigger business of say 5,000 plus employees where they're responsible for uh, a very small feature but that feature in turn is going out to millions and millions and millions of people complex, yeah. of, of like the complexity naturally yeah. is, is higher than that startup is, is how would you define a better talent? Because from, from my perspective, a recruiter perspective, it's the better talent is someone that undertakes, you know, front end, back end infrastructure and everything in between. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think is yeah. is more about finding the the right people for mm-hmm. the job, right? And I think that was key. That was what was really important when I realized how startups can compete in terms mm-hmm. of hiring extremely talented people. Is that overall, if they play to their strength, yeah, they can hire the set of people who really earn you know who really want ownership over so much of what's going on in the company yeah um who 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 are really eager to fix things when they're broken yeah regardless of um of what their job role is right yeah um and i think is you know i i don't think it's about good or bad you know i don't think one is better than the other one it's just different skill set and also, I mean, oftentimes they're at different um, periods of their life. Yeah. You know, I think one thing, for example, that is often much harder for startup is to hire older people because startups mm-hmm. involve a higher level of risk, right? Yeah. And so, you know, a, a larger company can provide uh, a level of stability, a level of security that, you know, suits um, different people better. Um, yeah. And also, you know, maybe for somebody who is in their 50s, you know, they might not be as ambitious as somebody who is mm-hmm. 20 or 30 anymore, right? Yeah. They, they have done their things, they've been, you know, had a really successful career. They just want something, you know, yeah, like difficult, simulating, mm-hmm. but not quite as... Um, intense. Intense, yeah. right? Cool. And, and I guess from, based on, on your previous answer is how do you think bigger businesses can can combat that rising trend of, of the best people going towards startups? Because, again, from, from everything we've discussed so far, it's the, the bigger businesses, and, and this is naturally, it's, it's not anyone's fault, is their hiring processes is slower, they can't offer as, as much ownership, and naturally in terms of flexibility of, of offers, and, and again, the process, is it going to struggle to get around? So yeah. how do you think that, ultimately the bigger businesses can can get back momentum of, of yeah. hiring the best people you know i think key is to empower the hiring manager yeah so i Mate, think that's a very good answer <laughs> <laughs> soundbite <laughs> you know I, I but i really think that's the case you know look um i think when when you asked me i remember the first time that that we talked about hiring people that can do you asked me whether you wanted to do the first phone screen for people. And I told yeah. you, no, I, I want to do the entire phone screen process. Yeah. I want to own the entire interview process. Mm-hmm. Because me as a CTO, I have a huge advantage yeah. at hiring people than you as, you know, HR person. Yeah. And I think that's 
especially you know i think that's that's also true of large companies yeah and it's not just about taking the phone screen the first phone screen that's the one that's particularly important mm -hmm. but it's about making sure you know is about making sure that the hiring manager yeah. answers every email, mm -hmm. books, you know, books in the the you know is the one who is gonna book you for interview is yeah. the one who takes care of you. Yeah. And if you're saying, man, that's a lot of work. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fuck ton of work. Yeah. But that's why candidates really appreciate that. Yeah. And that's how you know. That's how they know that you're taking ownership yeah. of something mm -hmm. and that's how they know that they can take ownership of something when they join your team because if mm -hmm. you as a hiring manager if your top priority is to hire the best people yeah you're gonna go and do it firsthand Definitely. you're gonna put every inch of energy that you have into getting that done yeah. and that means taking every phone screen writing you know answering every email yeah doing all of the process yeah if you're saying, oh my God, my, you know, I hear so many hiring managers being like, oh my God, hiring is so difficult. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's so hard. And, you know, I don't get enough candidates from HR. It's like, well, go find the candidate. You yeah. know, like go, yeah. go and do it yourself. Like, yeah. you know, if, if that's what really is blocking you, you should do it. You know, you mm -hmm. should really put the energy if that's your number one priority. Yeah, I, mate, I, I completely agree. And like I was saying to you before we went live, when we were just discussing how much we hate estate agents, of, of someone once told me that, you know, the more time you put into to hiring someone is the more that they're going to give you when they join the business. Yeah. And I think it's it's very easy for a lot of people to, to get, you know, feel drowned from their work responsibilities and, and in most cases, line managing and even, you know, pushing code where they forget the most important part is bringing on new people. But like when I asked you that question of, we see the phone screens because so many people say to me, "Yes, I'm I'm so time um, time short right now that I just need support. Can you just screen them, make sure that they're not weirdos or, or not idiots, and then yeah, send them across." But I completely agree. Like the idea of of doing everything yourself is great because these people are going to give you you know their lives for you know two, three, four, and beyond years that only makes sense that you manage the entire process yourself. Um, and I guess the, the difficulties that bigger businesses, because I guess it's a slightly a different point, but there are a lot more people to please in bigger businesses. So one of the processes I'm, I'm running right now is the person has to pass the uh, talent acquisition interview, and then they have to pass the hiring manager interview, and then they have to pass a lead engineer interview, which is not the hiring manager, it's just someone which the hiring manager trusts. And then they have to pass the product interview. And then the final stage is to pass the design interview. And all of those interviews are started with how do you work with design? How do you work with product? How do you work with other engineers and so on and so forth? That all it takes is, is one strong no in these cases. So the opposite to your philosophy where they just shut it down. So there are so many layers where I think some people can get a little bit power hungry. Where it, like the, the power goes to their head and they're like, nah, we're not hiring this person. Like, screw that person. The... It, it really sets them back. Um, but yeah. Yeah, certainly. And, and that's where I think like, you know, in large companies, a lot of, you know, internal, like internal politics and mm -hmm. company dynamics can, can often make it difficult yeah. uh, to hire very talented people, right? Yeah. Um, and, and can certainly slow the hiring process down. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Is working for a bigger business as impressive as it used to be? So for example, when we talk about TransferWise, is it not more impressive to be the 1,000th employee than it is to be the 3,000th employee? Or would you say it's the other way around because standards are going up because there are more people to compare against? Um, no, I, th- I mean, I think like, you know, with um, like working at working at a really successful company mm-hmm. is always, uh, you know, great for your resume. Yeah. And, you know, I, I actually, you know, I think, for example, a lot of people are are actually better off working in a larger business than working in a startup. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, oftentimes people out of college, I would often recommend them working mm. at a larger company yeah. first and then joining a, a startup later on in their career. Mm-hmm. In part because like, you know, larger companies, especially the really successful ones, mm-hmm. do a lot of things right. Yeah, um, That's how they became that successful. And yeah. so that's a really great training ground mm-hmm. for you to learn those things and then right. you know, okay. bring them over to much smaller companies mm-hmm. where it's really difficult to succeed mm-hmm. you know in a really small company if you don't have knowledge or experience yeah. and also it's going to be also a lot harder oftentimes to obtain that knowledge mm-hmm. and experience because you know the four guys around you mm-hmm. are going to answer i don't know a lot of the times <laughs> including <laughs> your founder and cto right exactly <laughs> your your founder and cto is going to be like i don't know go figure don't bother me with it yeah. you know like you're you're here to solve that problem yeah. for me i yeah. i i don't know how to solve that that's why i hired you right yeah. and so sometimes that can help you grow mm-hmm. really quickly yeah um but sometimes that's going to be a disaster, right? For sure. Um, and so it's really important that you're very honest with yourself mm-hmm. and with the company. Yeah. You're high, you're, you're, you're with, with the small company you're, you're planning on joining. Yeah. Whether you think you can really add value from day one yeah. or whether they require a three-month investment to get you up to speed. Yeah. A large company, especially a really successful one, can mm-hmm. take three months to bring you up to speed and they will take you and yeah. you're gonna learn a lot and you're gonna be really successful you know you you'll be able to 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 have a uh, you know you, it'll be a great step forward in your career yeah doing that process with a large company yeah a small startup if you don't work you know if you cannot produce within often two weeks yeah you're gonna be out yeah um and so i'd say you know it's important to also consider mm-hmm that different stages of your career might, you know, might have yeah. a better, uh, it might be better to join a larger company than, yeah. than a smaller company. So honestly, from, from my perspective, and again, I want to use quite like a, a primitive analogy, which is, um, it reminds me of, of like a footballer's career. And I'm sorry if anyone listening just despises football. But in, in most footballers' careers at the age of like 18 to, to 21, they usually get loaned to... Uh, a shittier team so it's usually like a, a division down or maybe two divisions down so that way they can go and like learn their craft you know just just fine tune their skills but when they're at the peak of their career when they're you know like 26 27 28 that's when they go to the big clubs and that's when they do something really really good i guess in this analogy you're saying that at the start of someone's career they should go to a 
not a shittier business well, because they'll teach them a lot. Business, you yeah, know, like a, exactly. Yeah, learn all like the stuff they wouldn't learn at the current business because yeah. they're not up to that standard, yeah. and then later on in their career return to that type yeah. of environment. Yeah, and for example, so another thing that um, I often try to be upfront mm-hmm. with candidates about the reason why we're rejecting them at Candu. Yeah, and. Uh, and by the way, I do think that's a really good practice for hiring managers to have. Yeah. Uh, because ultimately, you owe them an explanation on why they're not a good fit mm-hmm. uh, for your company. Yeah. And uh, especially with younger people, I will often tell them, look, this is not a win-win situation. Yeah. We are not going to be able you know, to teach you things fast enough and yeah. you're not going to be able to contribute fast enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think often they understand that. Yeah. So, again, I keep saying this well, but to summarize, the people at the start of their career, the best businesses for them are the bigger ones. You don't think that it's best for you to come out of university, for example, have a couple of years experience, and then go into a startup because the environment is so demanding and so deadline-orientated, they're never going to have the opportunity to truly flourish and learn. So you think it's better for them to go into like a safer environment but when they're at the peak, when they're at the top of their career, when they're ready to take on that challenge, ultimately when they're the best versions of themselves, they go to startups. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. Look, I think, you know, like a, a Series B, Series C company, mm-hmm. I think is a great um, balance yeah. for somebody starting their career. So yeah. you, I think, you know, a company of like a thousand, you know, 500 above, of course, it always depends on, on, on the company itself, but, yeah. you know, there you're going to have ownership. Mm-hmm. You're going to work on complex problems. Yeah. Um, you're going to have a lot of really talented people around you that you can learn from. Yeah. And you're going to have time to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go at a really small company, mm-hmm. you're often not going to get the time and attention and support mm-hmm. and and by small i mean like you know less than 10 right mm-hmm. or, or even like yeah below 50 right you you might not get the full time and attention you need to yeah. to fully support yeah now that of course depends on your skill level right so yeah. you know i've had success hiring people mm-hmm. right out of university who were extremely good who yeah. knew what they're doing mm-hmm. and hit the ground you know hit the hit the ground running from day one mm-hmm. and they've they've really flourished and learned a lot right mm-hmm. so this is about you know ultimately you are you know yourself much better than mm-hmm. the interviewer knows you yeah and so i think being honest being transparent with them yeah is often the best strategy in yeah. an interview because ultimately it's going you know you want a win-win situation right mm-hmm. and if that company is not right for you is also not but you know it's just not going to work out either way yeah towards the end of people's careers do you think they naturally gravitate back towards the bigger businesses Ooh, i never thought about that um, because honestly i thought of it just as you were saying yeah. it because what i'm thinking is that from from also some people that i know and have worked with is that they will get to like the peak of their career They'll go to an early stage startup and that will go one of two ways. Either it will go very, very well, the business will scale and ultimately become a bigger business. So the thing that they left to begin with, or I guess in, in most cases, because I think a lot of businesses in, in London unfortunately fail that are early stage, of that if something doesn't work out, they will naturally gravitate towards what they feel is 
the safer option for them, whether it's from a technical standpoint because they might have felt too exposed or from that security perspective where they don't want to lose their job. So do you think it's a bit of a, a circle of life, like Lion King style, where it's big business, startup, big business, and the big business could be the startup? Yeah. Well, you know, look, I think is is a lot of it is like if if I think about my experience at Kandu, I, I love mm-hmm. running the company and and mm-hmm. I really love working at Kandu, mm-hmm. and I can see doing that for you know like probably ten years. Yeah, can I run Kandu like I do now for like twenty years? Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I think I'm gonna get pretty tired of it. You definitely have grades. You know, like I I'm gonna get yeah I'm gonna have a lot of grades. Your you wife know, is like, gonna be bullying you. Well, you know, it's a lot of energy, you know, and is that what I want in 20 years from now? I think I want something different. Yeah. Um, What what would you want? Well, you know, something like still challenging, but not just like, you know, not quite as absorbing. Um, Would it be in a bigger business? Potentially, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm talking like 10 years from now, so it's really hard to say what what I would want, but... Mm -hmm. You know, I can definitely see how in different stages of life I want different things, right? Yeah. I've suddenly realized that the engineering and, and general talent acquisition is, is the Lion King. Yeah. Where things begin at, a, start, uh, begin at a, a big business, then go to a startup, and then eventually end up at a big business again. Um, which I've never really thought of it that way. It's actually been quite interesting on that front. Um I guess what I'd like to do now is is to round it off because I think we've been talking for for almost an hour now, which has flown by. It's flown, yeah. Um, Is 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 part three and and my favourite part, which I'm I'm most looking forward to, which I think eventually we're going to have quite a lot of submissions for, um, is recruitment horror stories, because everyone that I've ever worked with, both from a candidate perspective and a client perspective, and even from you know speaking to my parents, of they've had a very very bad experience with a recruiter. But I'd like to know. What is the worst experience that you've had as a candidate? And that could be for applying for a business, that could be being headhunted. Yeah. So I think it was actually during, was for, I was interviewing for a large business. Uh-huh. I love um, how quickly you had the answer ready as well. Right. It's like, yeah, I, I know which one. <laughs> yeah, I, I was interviewing for a large business, you yeah. know, based in California. So one of the big, you know, one, yeah. one of the big tech companies, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I was doing the coding interview. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. I walk in the room mm-hmm. and I ask the guy, how's your day? Mm-hmm. And the guy mm-hmm. with the smartest face just, you know, it's like just purely arrogant. Mm-hmm. This might help explain the yeah. reason why <laughs> this is <our> arrogant. <laughs> the earlier anger. The earlier yeah. anger. <laughs> you know, I ask him, How, how's your day? And he, he's replied, that serious is, well, your question implies that my day has already gone by, whereas it's 10 in the morning, so I cannot answer that question. What a fucking arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I was like, okay, so how's your day so far? <laughs> and you answered that question. Yeah. Um, but that's a terrible way to start an interview. You know, it's that's like... Awful. It's awful. Like, as an interviewer, my job is to help get the best out of you. Yeah. And and to really try to help you perform mm-hmm. at your best. Mm-hmm. You know, unless unless your job entails, you know, performing under pressure or being treated poorly. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, yeah. that's that's you should that's what you should test. 
Yeah. Hopefully that's not the case, but you know, there's uh, yeah. no reason to 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 ask somebody um, a question. You know, to to treat to be so yeah. unwelcoming to to somebody. I, I think an interviewer's job, like like you say, is to make someone feel as comfortable as possible because it's really nerve wracking yeah. and and scary yeah. to go into an office you've never been into in, yeah. in most cases, being surrounded by people that you've never seen before for a job that ultimately you probably really want and you're yeah. excited about. Absolutely. Someone will say, oh, well, my day's just started. You're like, fuck you, man. Yeah. Like, why why you got to be like that? Yeah. But, but fair enough, fair enough. Um, and the next question, and this is one I'm most excited about, is what's the worst experience you've had as a hiring manager? And if you say working with me, <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm just going to give you my flat. I'm just going to walk out of my own flat and you can just live here. And I, I'll just wander the streets well, for a few hours. it's a nice flat, you know. I wouldn't yeah. mind getting this flat for free. <laughs> um... You know, I think the I think the hardest ones for me are when candidates' expectations are really out of line. Okay. Generally speaking, right? In what sense? Um, when they expect the company to do mm-hmm. things um, that are simply not possible, when yeah. they have you know benchmarks that are not realistic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think for example, you know, a classic one is you know good candidate, good CV, yeah, good experience. You know, but he wants, you know, like uh, 50% more than what market would pay for his role. Yeah. And and it's not a good conversation to have with anyone, right? Yeah. Um, because, yeah, you're, you're a talented per- person, you're, you're a good folk, but, mm-hmm. you know, that, like, realistically speaking, I cannot yeah. afford to pay you know, to pay your role 50% more than anyone else in the company. Especially as an early stage startup. Right. I, I guess you're more like cash strapped than an equity strap. So yeah. I think from our conversation before, you would much prefer someone to negotiate on like the option side Absolutely. than trying to get like an extra like 10K on their salary, for example. Well, you know, so how we do it in Kandu is that we normally give out three different offers okay. to a candidate. So yeah. we give a high salary and a, high, and a low, um, mm. and a low uh, equity, right? Yeah. And we actually don't negotiate salaries in Kandu. Uh-huh. So we give out free offers yeah. because different people have different financial needs, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, we, we do that for, for, you know, so you might have, uh, you might need higher cash because, yeah. you know, you have dependents, you have mortgage, you have different things and, and that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine, right? So we do give out different offers to try and accommodate you know, yeah. people who, who need different things. But yeah. we actually don't negotiate um, salaries in Kandu because mm-hmm. um, negotiating salaries tends to lead to salary inequalities across the company. Definitely. And uh, research shows that it tends to penalize uh, female uh, talent because they, they, on average, they tend to negotiate less oh, okay. on, uh, on salary. So yeah. that's actually one of the reasons for salary gap. Yeah, is that un- unless you explicitly give permission mm-hmm. to a woman to negotiate for her salary, yeah. they're a lot less likely to negotiate their salary Interesting. than men. Yeah, uh, that's because men are just more abrasive and rude. Yeah, and generally like, speaking. Give me more money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, but yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so so in Kandu, we don't normally negotiate salary. But I think, yeah. you know, a lot of, um, you know, I think a lot of times, like, if you can take higher sal- higher equity in a startup, you should try and get more equity. Yeah. So ultimately, the worst experience you've had as a hiring manager is dealing with people's inflated salary expectation. 
Yeah, and I, 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 it's not only salary. I think salary yeah. is often the easy one. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, because salary is quantifiable, right? Yeah. So you can show benchmark. Yeah. Um, I think like benefits, for example, can uh-huh. be really difficult or, you know, well, things. Healthcare and things like that. Yeah, I mean, healthcare, again, those things are normally, ten, you know, like they're good benchmarks that yeah. you can do for those. But things more like, oh, I want this perk or that perk mm-hmm. or, you know, like um, I want to, you know, I want to earn this salary and, you know, live in uh, in this location. Yeah. You know, like very off, uh, you know, really difficult requests or, you know, like to me, the ones that are very difficult are, you know, the salary obviously can, can, can be a difficult one, but there are good benchmarks yeah. that you can show, right? And so while often, more often than not, salary will be the, the, you know, will be a decisive factor, you can at least be objective about it, right? Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of other requests where it's very difficult to be objective, yeah. you know? Cool. That's everything. We, we are officially done. So to summarize this episode, I think we've agreed that at the peak of people's careers, they usually work at startups, but ultimately they end up back at big businesses. Whether or not they're using startups to get to big businesses is a, a separate conversation. So it's been a very, very informative first episode. And I guess the, the thing I'd like to finish on is, is first and foremost, Michaela, thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to do this. Absolutely. It could have gone horribly wrong and I could have asked really weird questions. You're like, fuck this guy, I'm leaving. But is there anything that that you wanted to finish off with? Obviously, CanDo is is an awesome business. You've shown me a video that you're putting together right now, which I think is going to go out soon. But is there anything you'd like to say or anyone you'd like to shout out? Well, uh, really to all our team at CanDo and our investor, thank you for believing in us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we really appreciate your trust. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Um, And to finalize the episode from from my perspective, like I said, this is just the first episode of of many. I'm planning on this to be a weekly thing with with many, many guests. I would absolutely love Michele to come back as well because there are so many more topics that we can discuss. But thank you very much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And until then, I will see you next time.